Well, hey guys, good morning. Welcome to Redemption. Today, we are going to dive back into our study through the book of Joshua that we are calling Living for a Legacy. And the sermon title for today is Get Strong. I'm gonna give you five steps for you to develop spiritual strength. So if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Joshua chapter one, starting in verse one. And while you're finding your place, let me go ahead and set up the sermon for us today. For those of you who are new or have not yet met me, anybody who knows me knows that I have a, a hobby. It's actually not just a hobby, it's, it's more like a habit. And I, I run, I, I like to run, I enjoy running. Some of you are like, you enjoy running? I, I actually do really in, enjoy running. And every morning when I wake up, um, I get up about five o'clock in the morning, pound a cup of coffee, wipe the crust out of my eyes, put my shoes on, and then I go and I run about five miles every single morning. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. Does that make me better than you? Yes, it does. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. But I, I like to run. And if I don't get my run in, then my whole day is just, just thrown off. It's just, it's not the same. It doesn't feel like, like I'm set up for success. Something is just off for the rest of my day. And so I love to start every single morning with a, a run but I haven't always been that way, right? For the first 34 years of my life, I did not run. In fact, if you saw me running, you better run because that means something's chasing after me, right? The book of Proverbs says, only a fool runs when nothing is chasing them. And so that's just my life verse. That's just how I, how, how I live. Like the only time that I would ever, would ever run is if I was going somewhere with Ashley and we were running late. That's, that's about it. She's not in this service. She went to first. I didn't tell that joke first service, okay? Um, but if you're watching online, babe, I love you. Okay, don't beat me when I get home. Anyway, uh, but what I'm saying is, is like I haven't always ran, but when COVID happened and everything shut down, including the gyms, I wanted to stay healthy, wanted to stay fit. And so I decided that running's free. So I'll just go ahead and start, start running. Well, when I first started, I could barely even run around the block without feeling like I was going to die. And I was just running and I'm like, uh, my side was cramped. Uh, I couldn't do it. But eventually over time, every morning I'd get up and I'd run a little bit more. And then I was able to run one mile. And after I could run one mile, I started running two miles. And then eventually I began running three miles every single morning. Do, do you know the couch to 5K? Okay, I believe every single one of you in this room, you could do the couch to 5K in about two, maybe even three months. And so I started running, I continued running. Every morning I would continue running until eventually I started to plateau. And then once I began to plateau, I, I wasn't seeing the changes. I wasn't pushing myself. I wasn't uh, growing in the way that I, I wanted to. And so I decided one day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run five miles this morning. But here's what I discovered is there is a difference between running three miles and running five miles. Do you know what the difference is? Two miles. I'm just kidding again. Just seeing if you guys are with me. No, what they'll say is this, in order for you to run three miles, it's, it's about physical conditioning. It's about a physical strength. Like you gotta make sure that you get the, the stride right. You gotta get your gait right. You gotta be able to uh, uh, lung capacity, endurance for you to run the, the, those first three miles. But the difference between three miles and five miles isn't your physical strength, but it's your mental strength. 
It's not your, your physical conditioning, but it's your mental capabilities. You gotta be able to motivate yourself, push yourself through that wall, persevere and to endure to continue running. It's a, it's a mental game, mind over matter. It's mental strength. And for those people who run you know, five miles or 10 miles, even marathon runners, what they'll say is there eventually comes to a place to where it's no longer just physical conditioning, but rather it becomes a mind game. It becomes mental strength. And that's what we're gonna talk about today as we study the book of Joshua, how we can get strong. But we're not just gonna see that a legacy requires a physical strength. And it's even more than a mental strength, but rather it is a spiritual strength. If you wanna leave a legacy, it's gonna require a spiritual strength. In the beginning of the story, God speaks to Joshua six times and he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because if Joshua is gonna leave a legacy, it starts right here with him developing strength. If you wanna leave a legacy, it starts right here with you developing spiritual strength. If you wanna live a life that matters, if you wanna live a life on purpose, if you wanna stop making a dent and start making a difference, it starts right here. It starts with you determining in your mind, in your heart, in your body and soul that you are gonna have a, a spiritual strength. It all starts here with spiritual strength because there's gonna be hard days. There's gonna be dark days. There's gonna be difficult days. There's gonna be days that you're tired. There's gonna be days you wanna give up. There's gonna be days that you don't wanna keep going. Not every morning when I wake up, do I actually want to run those five miles. Some mornings when I wake up, I only wanna run around the block because that's easy. But easy doesn't leave a legacy. It's gonna require you to have strength, to have perseverance, to have determination. It's gonna have endurance. It's gonna take you being spiritually strong. Not everybody has a legacy, why? Because not everybody is willing to do what it takes to develop strength. And here's the reality is this, is that if you're not strong, the people around you, they will suffer. That there are people who are looking up to you, depending on you, people who are in your sphere of influence that are depending on you being spiritually strong. For example, if I am not spiritually strong, then my wife suffers. If I'm not spiritually strong, if Ashley's not spiritually strong, then our daughters, they suffer. If as a pastor, I'm not spiritually strong, then the church suffers. As a staff, if we're not spiritually strong, then our serve teams and our small groups, they will suffer. As a church, if we are not strong, then it has an impact and effect on the city that we live in. In the Beaumont in Southeast Texas, there's 500,000 people within a 30 mile radius and drugs and alcohol and divorce and, and other, uh, other substance abuse issues and child abuse that are happening in our community, the poverty, the racism, the justice that's going on. In order to make a difference, it's going to take the church being spiritually strong. And if we're not strong, the people who depend on us, they will suffer. Amen. If you want to leave a legacy, it starts right here. It starts by developing spiritual strength. But here's the good news is that God wouldn't call you to it if he didn't think that you could do it. Right, the reason why God says to Joshua, he says, be strong, because he knows that Joshua can be strong. God knows that we can be strong. God wouldn't call you to it if he didn't think that you could do it. He wouldn't tell you to do something unless he was gonna come alongside of you, empower you, and give you the strength needed for you to accomplish that goal. 
It's not like God, he's up in heaven commissioning you and said, I have a great plan and purpose for your life. I have big things that I want you to do. And so go and do those things. And then he sends you out. And then the father, son, and ghost get together over here and they start laughing at you. Like, ha look, Chris actually thinks he's gonna accomplish something with his life. Let's just watch him fail. Right? God hasn't set you up for failure. God hasn't appointed you for disappointment. If God called you to it, he will see you through it and he will give you the strength that is required for you to do everything that he told you to do. Be strong and courageous. If you wanna leave a legacy, you gotta be strong. Right? For those of you who are married, anybody can get married, but it takes strength to last 50 years. For those of you who are parents, when you think about your children, or those of you who are grandparents, you think about your grandkids, if you want to raise kids that are world changers, that make a difference, then it's going to require spiritual strength. For those of you who are single right now, I don't want you to waste your single years. I want you to invest your single years because how you date determines the quality of marriage that you're going to have. And if you're living in the 21st century, 2021, and you've been out in that dating pool, you're going to need to know you're going to have to have a little strength. Amen. Right, all of us, when it comes to our job, our work, our vocation, it requires a spiritual strength. When it comes to college students, right now, you're setting yourself up for a, a future, which means that you're gonna require a spiritual strength. For those of you friends and family members who do not yet know and love Jesus, in order for you to live on mission, to be a witness and to reach them, it's gonna require a spiritual strength. Living in our nation, living in our community, in the land that we're in today, it's gonna require us as a church and individuals determining that we are spiritually going to be strong. It takes strength. But even for us as a congregation right now, what we really need to start here with is being spiritually strong. Last week, we baptized 23 new believers. Come on, praise the Lord. But I believe that God has more in store for us. And if we wanna see more people be baptized, then it requires spiritual strength. We cannot rest on our laurels and we cannot take a back seat. We must be spiritually strong. Last week, we dedicated six families before the Lord. Praise God, six families. But I believe that God has more for us, and it's going to take us being spiritually strong. If we want to raise up more missionaries, if we want to plant more churches, if we want to support more outreaches, if we want to see more lives changed, more souls saved, more marriages be reconciled, more people be healed, more prodigal sons and daughters come back home, what is it going to take out of the church? It's going to take us being spiritually strong. And when it comes to buying this new building, when it comes to raising the money, buying the building, renovating the building, moving in and doubling in size within the first year, it's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen accidentally. It's going to require strength. It's going to require determination. It's going to require perseverance. A do not give up attitude. It's going to require us as a church together being spiritually strong. I know what some of you are thinking, pastor, it's your job to be strong. No, it's our job to be strong because the church is only as healthy as the people who call it home. And so it takes all of us developing this spiritual strength. Like I wish that I could tell you that up in heaven, there were angelic hosts of contractors 
And that these contractors, while you're sleeping tonight, they're gonna come in and they're gonna renovate, they're gonna knock out all the walls and they're gonna go and they're gonna paint it and they're gonna set up the ceilings and they're gonna organize the kids' rooms and they're gonna put up all the new worship stuff. I wish that I could tell you that there's gonna be angels who go in and do all the work because that would be easy. That's what we want. God, you said you'd do it. I believe it. Why don't you go ahead and do it while I stand over here? No, it's gonna take strength because here's what God does. God partners through people and God empowers people to do the work and the will of God. And if we wanna see that in our lives, if we wanna see that in the church, it's gonna require a spiritual strength on behalf of the members. But here's the good news is God wouldn't call you to it if he didn't think that you could do it. God gave us a vision that we would be a gospel-centered movement in the heart of this city where every man, woman, and child would experience life change through Jesus. And in order for us to accomplish that, it requires a spiritual strength. And so how many of you here, you, you wanna be strong? You're ready to be strong. You wanna take that step into spiritual strength. Well, let me just tell you, you came to the right place. Because the book of Chronicles says this, that God's eyes are going across the land, looking for those who he can strengthen. The reason you came here today is because you wanna be strong. And the moment you walk through those doors, God said, oh, there's a man that I wanna strengthen. There's a woman that I wanna strengthen. There's a child that I wanna drop some strength in their heart. The reason you woke up this morning and came to church, the reason why you tried to wrestle with your kids and they kicked off their shoe and you spilled your coffee on the way here and you grabbed a donut and the check-in line took too long and you couldn't find a parking space. The reason why you did all of those things and you're here right now today is because you say, God, I want some strength. And I believe that God will answer that prayer by giving you spiritual strength. I know you can be a good dad because God wouldn't call you to it if he wouldn't give you the strength to do it. I know you can be a great wife because God wouldn't call you to it if he didn't give you the strength. I know that you can endure your singleness because it's a gift that comes from the Lord and God wouldn't give you that season of your life if he wouldn't give you the strength to navigate it. Every person, every season, every age, every life stage, God has strength for you, but we have to walk in that strength. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you today from the book of Joshua, five steps for you to become spiritually strong. The, the first step to developing spiritual strength is this, leave the past behind. Come on, amen somebody for that. Leave the past behind. Look what Joshua 1 starts off with like this. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, oftentimes in the church, we have uh, a habit of preaching the past in a very negative sense. So people will say, that's the past. My past is the past. Stop talking about the past. I don't wanna talk about the past. That's who I was, that's not who I am, and that's not who God is making me to be. Anytime the devil tries to bring up your past, remind him of his future. Let go, let God. We have a negative view when it comes to the past. And people will even say this, they'll say, let it go, let it go. Wait, that's Disney not preaching. But I'm sure that some pastors preached a sermon called let it go. Uh, but we have this negative connotation when it, when it comes to the past. But can I just tell you that not everything that happened in the past is actually bad? Like God really, in most people's lives, has done some incredible things in their past. I mean, just consider Joshua. It says Joshua is Moses' assistant, the son of Nun. I mean, Joshua's story actually starts in the book of Exodus, runs through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Before we ever even open up to Joshua, we already see the backstory, and God did some amazing things in Joshua's life. 
I mean, whenever Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, Joshua, he heard that. When God delivered them from Egypt, Joshua, he would have been one who was set free from slavery. I'd say that's a good day for Joshua, right? 400 years as a slave, and now his people are set free. I'm sure Joshua was really excited about what God did that day. Or, or you could think about whenever the, the death angel went over Egypt, yeah. And, and the blood was, of the lamb was put over the doorpost. And anyone who had the blood of the lamb, the firstborn in that home, their life was spared. Joshua was the son of none. The reason why they say he's the son of none is because he was actually the firstborn male in his family. And God delivered him from death. Good day for Joshua. He got to see the, the Red Sea part. He got a cloud by day. And he got a pillar of fire by night. He ate manna from heaven. There's a chance of a, a sunny day with a chance of quail. He ate quail that God just brought right into their campgrounds. I mean, he wandered 40 years in the wilderness without having his shoes or his clothes wear out. He didn't have to buy a new pair of shoes for 40 years. Come on, ain't God so good, amen. And then Moses, he struck a rock and water flowed and it, it nourished two million people for over a year just from drinking water from a rock. Joshua saw some amazing things. He saw some miracles. He saw divine healing. He saw God move in signs and wonders and do things that nobody had ever seen before. But that's over. It says, Moses, my servant is dead. Joshua it's time for you to move on. I know you saw God do some amazing things 40 years ago, but it's time for you to move forward into what God has next. Listen, I want you to understand something. It's good to remember the past, but it's not okay for you to live there. It's good for you to reflect on the past and to be grateful for the past but it's not okay for you to live in the past. You have to leave the past behind. I'm grateful for what God has done in our past, but I am hopeful for what God wants to do in our future. Right. But there's a lot of people who literally, they get stuck in the past. Psychologists actually have a term for this. It's called arrested development. It's where in an age or a season, they get stuck at and they stop maturing, developing, and they stop growing. For young men, this is called Peter Pan syndrome, where they basically are, are boys who are actually men, men who can, boys who can shave, they get stuck in their early adolescence and then they're 35 years old and they're still living like they're 18 because they get emotionally stunted. They, they get, they, they get uh, their maturity refuses to grow and so they become arrested in their development. I think we all know somebody who is like this. We all have that friend. When we go hang out with that friend, all they're doing is talking about the good old days or the glory days. And they'll say like, those were the best days of my life. And so you're hanging out with them and they're like, hey, do you remember that girl that I used to date in high school? Do you remember that car that I drove? Man, the, just being wild and free and having no responsibilities, man, those were the best days of my life. Meanwhile, their wife and kid are sitting right next to them and you're like, I'll pray for her. <laughs> or, or they'll be talking about, hey, remember whenever I caught the winning touchdown for the, for the high school game? Man, man, that was the best. Or they talk about their band that used to play at like Log On Cafe and, and they're just talking about how great their band was when they were 17 years old. Do you remember that? Do you know that person? Do you know that person who's like, man, we used to just hang out all night and we play beer pong and Guitar Hero. Man, those were the best days of my life. 
if that's you, your life is sad. Because what, you, what you're essentially saying is that there is no hope in your future. What you're saying is the best days are behind you and there's nothing for you to look forward to. What you're saying is this, you're saying is that if these were the best days of your life, then what do you have to look forward to for the rest of your life? Listen, I'm grateful for the times that I had and the friends that I had. I look back on those good seasons of my life, but only to fuel my faith to continue looking forward to the future. It's okay for you to remember the past and to reflect on the past, but it's not okay for you to live there. See, churches even get stuck like this. I mean, I have seen churches where God shows up 20 years ago and he does incredible things. I've seen a church where God showed up and revival broke out. They grew from 200 to 1,000 in just a few months. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. The worship is incredible. The pastor's sermons, they are fire and the, the talk of the town and everybody knows them. They have a great reputation, but they didn't steward that season correctly. And when that season was over, 20 years later all they can talk about is what God did in the past we need to get back to the past do you remember when this happened do you remember when so and so came and preached do you remember when that happened oh we need to get back to the past we need to get back to those songs we need to get back to those preachings we need to get back to those programs because that's what God did and when you get focused on what God did you miss out on what God wants to do next so if Joshua gets in this place, if you get in this place to where you're trying to recreate something God did in your past, then you're going to limit him to what he wants to do in your future. Listen, if Satan can keep you looking backwards, then he can keep you from moving forwards. Every single one of us in our lives, we have a windshield and a rearview mirror. And the windshield is a lot bigger than the rearview mirror. Why? Because where God is taking you is bigger than where you've been. It is greater than where you've been. And it's okay on occasion to look in the rearview mirror just so that way when you're backing up, you don't run over anybody when you're trying to get where God wants you to go. But if you're always looking in the rearview mirror, I can tell you which direction you're going in your life. You're going backwards. We don't want to go back to the old. We want to press forward to the new. We don't just want what's normal. We want to move into what God has next for us. And if you keep looking backwards, that's exactly where you're going. If you want to be strong, here's what you got to do. First thing is this, leave the past behind. The second thing is to look forward to the future. First, you leave the past behind. Number two, you look forward to the future. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to you and to the people of Israel. Now, Joshua, he has just received his marching orders from God. Here's what God says. Arise and go over this Jordan. What's the saying? Every, every, every journey starts with a single step. That's exactly what God does here. God just gives Joshua his next step. He gives him his marching orders. But I want you to notice something, is that God doesn't tell him everything that's gonna happen in the future. God, God doesn't give him the play-by-play. -play. He doesn't give him the blueprint. He doesn't even give him the plans. Right? He doesn't lay everything out. He, he doesn't say, he just says, I want you to rise and go. First step is to Jordan. He doesn't tell him how he's going to cross the Jordan. He just says, I want you to go to the Jordan. 
God doesn't tell him anything about Jericho or Rahab or the spies. God doesn't tell him anything about the battle of Ai. God doesn't tell him that he's gonna have to circumcise all of the men again for the second time. Why? Because they probably wouldn't do it. (laughs) But how many of you in your life, if God would have told you everything that would have happened in your future, you probably wouldn't have done it either. You probably wouldn't have signed up to follow Jesus if you knew everything that was gonna happen over the duration of your life. You could follow Jesus, yes, that's a, a great day, but then there's gonna be spiritual warfare, there's gonna be difficulty, there's gonna be needs of forgiveness, there's gonna be some bitterness that happens, you're gonna experience a little bit of church hurt, you're gonna see some great miracles, you're gonna see financial provision in your life, but at the same time, your, your children are gonna sin against you, at the same time, you're gonna lose your job, there's gonna be ups and downs, unemployment, overworked, underemployed, now you gotta travel for another job, and there's so much complexities that happen in the following of Jesus. If he would've told you day one, here's the big picture, how many of you probably be like, no, thank you. But God doesn't do that. All God says is this, arise and go, and I will make a way for you. All you got to do is just take that first step. And then God, he will give you the next step. That's what it means to look forward to the future. It's just to have enough faith to take that first step. I love what Dr. Martin Luther King, he says this. He says, faith is is taking that first step even when you don't see the entire staircase. That's exactly what the Christian life is. It's just taking that first step and following Jesus and then taking another step and then another step until eventually you end up where God has destined you to be. So Joshua has to take that first step And then he takes a step into Jericho. And then he takes a step into Ai. And then he takes a step into another battle. And then he takes a step into another victory. And then he experienced defeat. But he corrects it, takes another step. And eventually over 24 chapters, he inherits the land. But it all starts with a single step. I want you to understand something. When you are walking with God, you never run out of next steps. Whether you have been a Christian for five minutes or for 50 years, you will never run out of next steps when you're following Jesus. Because God always has more in store for us. God always wants more for us. And there is always a next step when you're following Jesus. So last week you got baptized. Praise the Lord. Welcome. Your next step is to join a small group. Or your next step is to join a serve team. Maybe you're new to the church. You've been hanging out and visiting, but you haven't been connected. Your next step is next week where we're gonna have next steps. And at next steps class, we're gonna feed you, watch your kids, and then we're gonna help you take your next step to get plugged in, connected, and call Redemption Home. Maybe your next step is to read your Bible in the morning before you go to work. Maybe your next step is for you to start praying with your spouse. Maybe it's to start leading a small group or to leading a serve team. Maybe your next step is sharing your faith. You've been coming to church for six months, but you haven't invited a coworker or a friend. Maybe that's your next step to pull out your invite card and hand it to them and say, I'm gonna save you a seat on Sunday and take a step of faith by inviting a friend to church. My question for you is this, Joshua, he had to take that first step to to Jordan River, what's your first step in following Jesus? Every single one of us, we have a next step. On a more practical level, there's personal next steps that we must take. For some of you, your personal next step is maybe to ask your boss for a raise. Maybe your next step is to go home with your spouse and make a budget. Maybe your next step is for you to begin to, uh, begin to give. Maybe your next step is for you to go apply for that master's program. 
that you've been wanting to go. Maybe it's to apply for that job that you've always wanted, but you never thought you would get. Maybe your next step is to start that business you've been too afraid to start. Maybe your next step is to ask that girl out on a date that you've been talking to in the lobby. Go ask her out on a date. Maybe that's what your next step is. And if she says no, then you keep stepping along to the other side and respect her boundaries, amen? Or maybe it's time for you to get married. You've been dating somebody longer than you can be president. Eight years is a long time. Put a ring on it. Take that next step, whatever it is. We all have next steps in life. So my question is, don't stop. Keep taking that next step. And when you take that first step, just watch what God's gonna do. He's gonna reveal more and more steps for you to keep taking because you never run out of next steps when you're walking with God. The third thing I want you to see about becoming spiritually strong is this, is that you need to live in the promise. Where is God blessing? What is God doing? We wanna live in the promises of God. Here's what it says, verse three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, I I just wanna say something. God has already given it to him, but Joshua has to cash the check. Think about it like this. If I were to hand you a check for $1,000, the money's in the bank, but that check is no good if as long as in your hands. You have to do something with that check. What I'm trying to show you is this, is that sometimes people say, well, if it's God's will, it's gonna happen. Not true. It requires us taking our steps as well because God desires that none shall perish, but that all shall have everlasting life, but that's not how it always is. God has given you a promise and now you have to live in that promise and work and walk out the promises of God in your life. Listen to what it says here. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards going down to the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that have sworn to their fathers to give them. Now, if you remember back to week one of our study through Joshua, if you weren't here, you can listen on YouTube. If not, just recall all the Sunday school stories from whenever you were a child. This is not Joshua's first time to see the promised land. In fact, Joshua saw the promised land 40 years earlier in the book of Numbers. Moses sent 12 spies to go and do reconnaissance about the promised land to see what they were up against. 10 spies came back and they gave a negative report. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back and they gave a a positive report. They said, this land is flowing with milk and honey and there's grapes the size of your head. Okay, how many of you know when God gives you a promise, it's a good promise? right? That milk and honey, right? That ain't just corner store milk, right? I mean, that's, that's whole foods milk. That's what God promises you. He's not promising you skim milk, 2% milk, or even that almond milk. I mean, this is like $8 a carton worth of milk. God gives some good milk. And the, and, and the, the, the honey, man, that's, that's the honey that they would, that comes straight from the farmer's market. I mean, this is organic, non-GMO, just, oh, the good stuff. And that's what God promises. God has good for us. And then as they come back and they say, here's what we saw. 
we see that 10 people, they focused on the problems. They would say there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers compared to them. They're gonna crush us, they're gonna kill us, they're gonna destroy us. God brought us here to fail. We might as well just go back to Egypt because that's just, that's what our future is. And 10 people, they focused on the negative and the problems, but you have Joshua and Caleb, they come in and they say, we are more than conquerors. God has promised to give us this land. We can do it, we can take it. And so they have a positive report. But because of the unbelief of the others, Israel had to wander around the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation passed away. What's the lesson for us? Is that every single one of us, we have a choice. That you can either focus on the problems or you can focus on the promise of God. Every single one of us in our day-to-day lives, we have a decision that we must make. We can either focus on the problems that are around us or we can focus on the promise that God has given to us. I mean, if you have ever met a person where all they do is focus on the problems, they bring you problems, they don't bring you solutions, all they do is ever talk about the problems. My life is so terrible, my life is so horrible, nothing ever seems to go my way. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I might as well just go eat worms. Right? You ever met that person? You ever met that person where, where, where they're like, yesterday was terrible, today is terrible, tomorrow's gonna be terrible, and I got a rash. You ever met that person? We're like, just nothing ever goes good in their life. Do you know why? Because that's the mindset that they have. Because they live their entire life focusing on the problems and what you see is what you get. And so if all you do is focus on the problems, guess what you're gonna find? You're gonna find problems. But if you focus on the promise of God and the words that he has spoken over you, if you focus on the truth, if you focus on the promise, then you're gonna be walking around living in the promises of God. This is what he says here. Everywhere you put your foot, I have given you. What is that? That's a promise. And so Joshua, he, he decides, well, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna live in the promise of God. I'm just gonna put the promise of God to test in my life. And then Joshua says, if this land's mine, I'm gonna take this land. I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna take this land and I'm gonna fight this battle. I'm gonna take this territory. I'm gonna have this victory. I'm gonna go over here and that land looks pretty good over there. So I'm gonna go. And for 24 chapters, here's what Joshua's doing. He's living in the promise of God. Let me just go ahead and show you a map of what we're gonna see over the book of Joshua. This is his conquest throughout this entire book. And you can just see, it starts right there at the River Jordan, it parts. He goes to Gilgal and to Gibeon. He goes down to Jarmuth and then to Azekah and then to Libna and Lichish and Mechadah. Just say it fast and people think you know what you're talking about. Eglon, I can't say any of these words, and Hebron. And he spends 24 chapters just bouncing around all of the promised land. And just to give you an idea, the promised land is 300,000 square foot. For comparison, Texas is 250,000 square foot. And you know how they say everything's bigger in Texas, but I'll tell you, God's promises are bigger than anything that we face. (laughs) Because God's promises are bigger than the problems that we face. Now, I'm not saying that we be naive. Because there is gonna be battles. There is gonna be dark days. There is gonna be difficulties. There is gonna be war that we must go up against. I mean, Joshua's gonna have to fight a seven nation army 10 times their size. He's not just putting his head in the sand, pretending like like nothing's gonna ever go wrong. No, he is aware of the problems, but he is focusing on the promise of God in his life. 
And I love the parallels that we're seeing in our church right now as we study through the book of Joshua as well. I, I love it because at our church, we, we're even encountering some problems, but yet we're choosing to live in the promise of God. It's about this time last year, God spoke to my heart. He said, Byron, it's time for you to tell the church to start raising money and buy a new building. It's time for you guys to move. I don't know if you know this, but in March, our lease is up and we will be homeless as a church if we don't make a move. And so I just started praying and I said, God, are you sure that it's time for us to buy this new building? Because I don't know if you noticed or not, but we're kind of in the middle of a pandemic People are in the hospital losing their jobs. There's economic uncertainty. Oh, and we just got hit by three hurricanes. Okay, you really think now is the good time for me to stand in front of the church and say, hey guys, guess what? We're buying a building. I need everybody to give. And so I'm arguing with God. It's like, God, this is not right. This is not the time. I just, I don't see it. I was focusing on the problems. And when I get really worked up and stressed out, you know what I do? I go for a run. And so as I'm running, I'm kind of arguing and thinking and complaining to God, focusing on the problems. And so I was really worked up. So I decided to go for the longest run that I've ever done up until that point. I was going to run 15 miles that day. And so what I did is I, it's a seven mile ride to run to the hike and bike, do a loop around the hike and bike, seven mile run back home. And I planned my runs according to like water along the routes. And there's a water fountain at the hike and bike. So I'm like, I'm gonna run the seven miles there, drink some water, and then I'm gonna run back. As I get to the hike and bike, due to COVID, the water fountain is closed. So I have to run the entire second leg of the, of the run back home, no water. At this point, it doesn't matter how mentally strong you are, if you're physically dehydrated, you're done. And so I am dehydrated, exhausted, completely depleted. And about 10 miles in, I, I just sit down on the side of Delaware. And I was like, God, you have brought me here to die. <laughs> and then I look down next to me and there is an unopened Ozarka water bottle right next to me. And I open that bad boy up and I just chug that whole thing. And I drink it, and as soon as I set it back down, I hear the Lord speak to me clear as day. He says, if I can give you a water bottle, I can give you a building, trust me. And from that day forward, I'm not naive to the problems, but I do have my mind set on the promise that God said, I will give you this land. I will make a way for you. And every time a problem comes up, I just keep speaking that promise of God over my life. Every time something goes wrong, I just say, that must mean something's got better for us. And so we're just gonna live in that, that promise. And yeah, there has been problems. It took us six months to find a building. And then we just ended up buying this entire city block because that's the promise of God on our church. Whatever the bank said, it's gonna be 0% down. I was like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they called back and said, oh, never mind. It's gonna be 60,000 down and you got three weeks to come up with the money. And I'm like, okay, Lord, let's do this. And in two weeks, God gave us $108,000 from outside sources and within the church. Yes, there have been problems, but I choose to focus on the promise of God for my life. What are you focusing on? That's what you'll find. You wanna live in God's promises, which leads to the fourth point is this, is to learn to obey. Everybody loves that word right there, obey, amen? Only be strong and very courageous. 
Be careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right nor to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Everybody loves that verse, right? Everybody's just like, I'm going to put that on my Instagram bio when I get home. Strong and courageous. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Oh, I'm having my morning quiet time drinking out of my Joshua coffee cup. We love that verse. And up until this point, this sermon has been very encouraging, very motivating. You're like, that's right, pastor. I'm going to tell my boss to give me a raise. I'm going to ask that girl out. You're right, pastor. I'm going to take my next steps. Woo, this is a good message for me. And now here comes the conviction. Because he says, be strong and courageous. But he also gives another command to be careful. Be careful for what? That you listen and you obey God's word in your life. See, what I've discovered in my life is this, and as a pastor, not any of you guys, of course, not you guys, but other people, other churches, oftentimes people want the blessings of God without actually having to obey God. They say, God, why aren't you blessing me? I want the blessings of God on my life. God, why aren't you blessing me? And then God looks down and says, why aren't you listening to me? God wants to bless you, but here's the deal. God cannot bless disobedience. And a lot of people want the blessing to God. They just don't want to actually obey God and to live their life according to God's word. I I see this so many times. One of the big things I see in in the church is when it comes to something like tithing. Right, God says, hey, 10%, first and best, given to the Lord, and you can do more on 90 than you could do with 100 if you learn to trust me. And then people will come into the church and they'll say, why isn't God blessing me financially? Well, it's because you're, you're not stewarding your money properly. And so God can't bless disobedience in that area. Or I meet it with young guys and, and come into the church and they're wanting to have a, a good marriage or maybe even married men in the church, they wanna have a, a godly marriage, but, but they're not willing to spend time and in, in, in devotion towards their wife. They're addicted to pornography or they're battling some other form of sexual sin. They're neglecting their children and they're wondering why their marriage is going bad. It's not that God won't bless it, it's that you're disobedient. I see it in all these different areas where people want the blessings of God, but they don't want to obey God's word for their life. And just God can't bless it. And so if you want to experience the blessings of God and you want to live a life of spiritual strength, it comes when you learn how to obey God's word. Listen, this is something that I teach Esther all the time. My daughter Esther, she's four, and she just went to pre-K. It was a hard day. Please pray for us, because after we dropped her off, we went and had coffee, and we just enjoyed ourselves. It was really, really hard. <laughs> but, but what happened was, on the first day of school, we got a phone call from the teacher. Raising a preacher's kid already. And the teacher said, yeah, um, she doesn't listen because she was outside playing and we all went inside. I said, you gotta come inside. And she said, no, because she wanted to stay outside and play. And so we had, we had a conversation when we got home. And this is what happens. When she got home, I, I pulled her in and said, okay, baby, we need to talk about this. And I, I got down, I looked her at eye level, parenting hack, this is, this is how I do it. I look her in the eye and I say, okay, baby, who, who am I? She says, you're my dad. I said, yes. I said, who loves you more than any 
thing else in the entire whole wide world. Who loves you the most? She said, my mommy. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> Nana? No, no, daddy. Daddy. I said, who wants the best for your life? She said, daddy. I said, okay, if daddy loves you the most and daddy wants the best for you, then what do you need to do? She said, I need to listen. Why? Because life goes better when you listen. It's true. Esther understands this. Life goes better when you listen. For you, in your relationship with God, life goes better when you listen. God created the heavens and the earth. He's smarter than you. And he gave you his word so that way you can listen to him and he wants to lead you into the best quality of life that there is. And so if you live according to God's word, then you will be able to experience God's blessings on your life. But it only comes when you learn how to listen and to obey, which leads to the fifth point. If you want to be spiritually strong, what do you, what do you got to do? You have to leave the past behind. You have to look forward to the future. You have to live in the promise of God and you have to learn to obey God's word. And then the fifth and the final point is this, is to lean into God's presence. Listen to how this story closes. It says, have I not commanded you? If God told you to do it, he will give you the strength to do it. It's a command from the Lord to be strong and to be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you wanna be strong, it comes from spending time in God's presence. Just the same way that for me, it took me waking up every single morning and persevering and going for the run, developing my physical and my mental strength. It's the same way for your life. If you wanna develop a spiritual strength, it's waking up in the morning and it's spending time in the presence of God. Every time you read your Bible, you're getting a little bit stronger because you're leaning into the presence of God. Every time you pray, you're getting a little bit stronger because you're spending time in the presence of God. God. Every time you come to church on Sunday, you're spending time in the presence of God and it makes you spiritually strong. First Wednesday night prayer nights develop spiritual strength. When you go to your small group, even when you don't feel like it and you decide to still go to do it, it makes you a little bit stronger, a little bit more strengthened. You get a little bit more courage. You feel a little bit more power. And if you string enough of those days together, that's how you get strong, by leaning into the presence of God. I love what the book of Proverbs says. Is it says this, it says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. What I don't want you to hear in this sermon is that you have to work harder or that you need to be better or try harder or do better, that you need to grit your teeth. You need to lift with your back and not with your legs in a jerking, twisting motion. That's not what I'm trying to get you to understand here. That if you just try a little harder, then you'll be a little stronger. No, if you trust more, you will get stronger as well. To trust in the Lord. Because it's in his presence that we find our strength. I love what the missionary Hudson Taylor says. He says, all of God's giants were weak men, but they reckoned one thing, that God was with them. Because God loves to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. That's the last note that I'm gonna leave you with today, is that God loves to take ordinary people just like you. And he loves to do extraordinary things through your life. Because he's the one who gives you the strength 
The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro, seeing who he can strengthen. And you're here today because God wants to give you that strength. If you're in a place where you're weak, it's okay because God's the one who gives us the strength. If you're in a place where you feel tired, it's okay because God's the one who gives us the strength. If you're here and you're in a place where you feel like you're up against the wall or you're like Joshua, take a step into the river Jordan, but you don't know how it's gonna part, it's okay, but God's gonna give you the strength. You're one chapter into your life story. Don't give up. There's 24 more to go. And God will give you the strength and the perseverance to endure through it all. God loves to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. But if we want to leave a legacy, it requires us being strong. How do we do that? We leave the past behind. We look forward to the future. We live in the promise. We learn to obey God's word and then we lean into his presence.